Okay, today I'm in Belgium, Wellington Racecourse in Ostend with Dieter van der Berger. Uh, Dieter, racecourse bookmaker in Belgium, we didn't even know they existed until, you, until we got talking to each other. Uh, thanks very much for inviting us out here and agreeing to talk to us. Um, first of all, how many years have you been a bookmaker here? Well, um, I'm working in, in, as a bookmaker since 1999. So I started when I was 21 years old. At that time, that was the, the youngest age that was allowed to do that. So um, my father uh, is also a track bookmaker. So he started in the early 90s. So I, I took it from there. So it's, it's uh, yeah, my first experience as a bookmaker was here in Ostende. Okay, so you, you got your first license at 21. Your dad was a bookmaker, so did you always sort of know that you were going to follow in his footsteps? Yes, I think so, yes. What happened is um, my father, he went to the, to the racetracks as a punter, small punter, going every week, once a week, twice a week. And he said, listen, this is something I want to do later, or when I have some time. And he started to trying to get his license. It took him years and years and years, and after I think five, six years, um, he met someone, uh, Yuri Empen, that was his father, uh, and he's the owner of Bingo at the moment. And he met that guy and he said, listen, I want to become a bookmaker. And he said, the father of Yuri said, listen, I'm going to make sure you're going you're gonna to become a bookmaker. I will call you tomorrow morning. But my father heard that already so many times and he said, yeah, yeah okay, you will, yeah, you will not call me anyway. But and the next morning, Monday morning, he called him and he said, listen, next Friday you can work as a bookmaker. So my father became bookmaker because of the guy at Bingo, where I'm working now for. So, and I, I still remember the first day he went working on, on, on the pitch. And I was looking at him, hardly realized what he was doing. I was 11, 12 years old or so. And I remember he did that and I said straight away, listen, when I'm old, that's what I'm going to do. I knew it at that moment. Uh, it was written in the stars, let's say. So yeah, I knew it quite young. Yeah. Was it? Was he? Um, was he a successful punter? No, he was a small punter. No, no, he was just a leisure punter. Um, yeah, no, he not at all really. He was really looking to bookmakers as, as they knew everything, and then he thought oh, that that must be amazing to be one of them. And. Uh, no, no, he, he was a small punter and he also started as a bookmaker, as a very, as a very small bookmaker, as a startup, and, and yeah, went bigger and bigger. Okay, so we, when I got talking to you, it was as a racehorse bookmaker, which, you know, like I say, I was surprised, I didn't know there were racehorse bookmakers in Belgium, but you started your first online company at the age of 23, yeah. so you're a businessman, and it's a betting company. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that? Well, maybe the, 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 I learned the business, all the whole business I learned at the pitch here uh, with my father. What happened is when, when people come, uh, when people all become a bookmaker, they are standing on the last pitch, let's say, so in the worst position. And in the beginning that was okay, but my father, he could only see his neighbor and, and his neighbor near that. And he said, I would, I would like to see what, what the first bookmaker, what they have on the, written down. And and we started to learn uh, a language like uh, what's his tic -tac. name, John? Yeah, the jo yeah, John, John. Yeah, Tic Tac. Yeah, Tic Tac. It's called. Yeah. yeah. 
and uh, we learned our own language because we didn't know that language. And I was 14 years old, and I started to to, to tell him what what was on all the pitches all the time. And that's where I learned the percentages. And I said, okay, this is attractive. And I I, I was calculating for him almost, and I was 14 years old. So that's where I learned the business. Uh, yeah. And I had some. I was studying. Uh, I had my uh, degree in accounting. I was 20 years old, and I said, listen, I, I'm. I'm gonna learn uh, IT and, and I'm gonna learn to develop just to start to start a website and do do it myself. But there was a guy coming every week at the pitch also who's one of my neighbors and he came to me and at a certain moment he said to me, listen, I started an online company in bookmaking and it was called Mr. Bookmaker. And he told me that and I was so jealous. I remember I said, oh my God, I wanted to do that. That's, that's, that's what I want, that, that's something for me. And every week I saw him and every week I went to him and said, how did it go and how many new customers do you have? And I was so interested and he felt that of course. Yeah, and after two, three months he offered me a job and he said, listen, do you, do you want to join Mr. Bookmaker? We're only three guys now and you could uh, become the fourth. And I was fortunate enough that, that we could invest in it in early, early days. So, uh, and, and, and that was in 2000 and 2001. So, uh, only five years later, 2005, 2006, we sold it already to Unibet. So, uh, let's say it was a very great experience and very fast. Learned everything from A to Z there. Um, yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. That was the very early days. So, did Unibet absorb the business or does it still exist? Unibet totally took, they took all the customer base, the, yeah. even the URL is not existing anymore, so no, they just took the, the customer base. We were quite big in Belgium, of course, in Netherlands and in France, um, so we have a huge market over there, we were the first ones, but at that time, it was a bit in the grey zone, eh? it was, there was no legal framework, not in, this, in these three countries, um, and Europe said, okay, you can do it, but the local country said no you, you, you cannot bet so it was a bit in a gray zone at that time um, yeah in hindsight it was all easy but okay that's always afterwards okay now going back to the uh, racecourse bookmaking I mean do you bet at any other racecourses in Belgium we still have five tracks um, let's say two of them are for bookmakers attractive because there are some there is some public that's here in Ostende where we have nine meetings every Monday in July and August, where we had a lot of tourists and a lot of normal punters. And then you have one other big track, that's in Waregem. And um, that's also, they also still have some public, so I'm working now and again over there. Waregem has one big day, that's a bit like Cheltenham Festival, but it's only one day, they have 35 to 40,000 people. It's called Waregem Kursen. This is next Tuesday, so the, the 29th of August, I think. Uh, huge, huge, huge day also for the bookmakers. Uh, so that's all the things I do. Now and again, I'm, they ask me to, to, do, uh, to work, for example, on a boxing game or to work um, like on a cycling, cycling thing. That is okay, can you come over? Uh, we also have some short tracks in, in horse racing. But it's, more, it's more for the atmosphere really and, and for, for the bus that they ask it. It's, yeah. Okay, so how easy is it? Can anybody become a racehorse bookmaker in Belgium if they're Belgian? Well, no, you need, you need quite a lot of licenses. licenses. Um, yeah, you have, to be, you, get, you have to get approved also by, let's say, the board of bookmakers. So it's not that easy. On the other hand, um, we were, I think, 
20, 30 years ago, I think it was 40, 50, 60 bookmakers, and everyone had his job, has his work. Now there are only eight or nine left, and it's enough. What I mean is it's not everyone has his ticket, uh, it's never busy, 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 so it's still competitive, uh, it's attractive for the punters, it should be attract attractive for the bookmakers. So, yeah, there's no room really, to be honest, and, and the, yeah, it's just enough like it is today. And it's, it's, it's going a natural way, eh? it, it's, it's like here we are still eight, but in, in Waregem, for example, I could go every meeting to Waregem, but I'm only going twice or three times a year. So, however, I could stand there, but it's, it's not, it's, yeah, it's not worth it, let's say. Uh, just, there's no, there's no, no tickets enough, let's say, for, for eight already, so, okay. um, yeah. So could, um, just theoretically, if I had a bookmaker's license in Belgium, could I come to you and say, I'll give you money from buy your pitch off you? Is, it, is that how it works? Can you buy and sell your pitch? No, no, that's not how it works. We, we, uh, you, the, the thing is, you have to get approved really by the book board of bookmakers and, and uh, you, have, you need to have a track record. You, you, you have to, yeah. It's a bit, yeah, not random, it's not true, but uh, to be honest, the, the interest in it is, is not that big either. Uh, it's also some kind of, let's say, family thing. Um, as I said, we are eight here today. Uh, my father is one of the eight. I'm the other one, so that's already two of the eight that that's, that's coming from me and my dad. Uh, and the other six also, they have been his father. It's, it's, they have some relationship with father or fathers-in-laws or whatever. So uh, yeah, it's a bit an internal an internal thing at the moment. Okay. So, so would it, would, is it possible to be a professional racecourse bookmaker in Belgium? No, it's it's not. It's a pity because I would like that. I would love. I always said I hope when I'm when I'm 60 or 70 years old, I can still do that and I can still earn some money on it. It's, if if I have a good year and if it's a good year, yes, I'm gonna win some money. But it's a hobby. It's 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 nothing more than that. Uh, I like it. I love it. It's still the cash. That that's the nicest thing because it's compared with the online business where everything is digital. But here, you still bet with 5 euro, 10 euros, you have to change the money, you have to pay them out, it's, it's different. Yeah. A 100 euro bet, paying out in money, 300-400, it's different than just online, for one or another reason. And, and that, that's the beauty of the thing. Um, also, you, you, you have to read people a bit, you have to feel the, what's happening. This is the, the nice thing of the job, while online, yeah, it's, it's a different thing. So, it's, it's, uh, let's say it's a, go it's, it's a hobby. I would, if there would be 30, 40 meetings like this in a year, yeah, then maybe we could, maybe we could start to think of a business again. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Now this card today is a mixture of trotting and uh, horse racing. It is that which is the most popular with the betting public, or do you have different punters that like? Yeah. Well, with the public that knows the sport, is a trotting in Belgium. Um, when it comes to tourists and people who come once a day, it's for sure the galloping. So it's, it's quite a big difference. Galloping, everyone understands. Uh, in Belgium, we say trotting, that's the, true, that's, the, that's the real horse racing. Of course, in the UK, they will not agree with that. I understand why. We, we are a bit, we coming a bit too much from the French people, let's say, where, where in France, it's, trotting is the main thing. Like, uh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. Have, yeah like the Prix d'Amérique is, is the big day. And, and everything comes a bit from there. So yeah, for here in, in, in Belgium, trotting is still the biggest, uh, the biggest of the two. Okay, now how much attention from the non-sporting press or even the sporting press does racing get in Belgium? 
Yeah, not enough for sure, and it's uh, it's a pity because we have we have a high level in in, in a high level of jockeys. Uh, we have a world championship amateurs. We have Christophe Sumion, who's who's Belgian. We have in, in trotting we have Jos Verbeek who won five five or three or four times uh, the Prix d'Amérique. We have Christoph Martens, who won Elite Lopet. We have, for example, now a young girl, Hanna Heuvens. She won the most races in, in whole Europe as a, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a woman. So we have really quality jockeys. Um, the horses, okay, we, we're not getting up to that level again as, as 20, 30 years ago. But um, we have champions. We have champions in, in Belgium, and, and, and it's, it's never getting in the press. On big days, they, they show yeah they show Noarham Kursu, whatever they show they show all the hats and all the new things and all the funny things, uh, or or if, if a horse is falling and he has yeah this this yeah. then then they show it when when a big accident happens or something, but uh, now nothing about betting and the horses itself it's not uh, it's not enough not at all even especially if you know the quality you have. Okay, and how does racing publicise itself? Does it does it make a real effort to sort of get out there? Well, it, 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 it tried for many years. Um, the, the thing that went wrong in Belgium is that all the racetracks, they were living from all the betting taxes that all the bookmakers and all the, yeah, all the tote was paying to them. And they were si yeah, relying on that, sitting back. Of course, sports betting came up, less and less betting money in, on, on horses. And of course, the income was shrinking. Yeah, because of that, they didn't do much enough for the marketing. However, I've been invited a couple of weeks ago to to roundabout where, where, where to round where we were sitting with let's say 10, 15 young professionals, talking. Okay, how can we pick that up? And I feel something is happening. Um, there's a lot of goodwill. A lot of people want to do something. Uh, social media and these things are starting to come up. A bit too late, but okay. At least a lot of good efforts. I feel. Um, and I think it's still possible. I, I, at least, as, as we still have the tracks, we still have the horses, we still have an interest uh, of the public, so it's, the, it's still alive. Okay, so you, t you told me in part one that um, it's impossible to be a full-time on-course bookmaker. So tell us about Bingo, your, your business off-course. Yeah. Uh, so I said I started uh, with Mr. Bookmaker in the in, in the early uh, 2000s. I moved from from Malta for that. Then after that I went to London. From uh, let's say that it from um, from Mr. Bookmaker to Unimet, we had to be there for a couple of more ye of years. But I stayed in London for uh, around six seven years. Then um, I came I came. Uh, I came back to Belgium, started up the Napoleon sports betting business, not Napoleon game that is, and then a couple of years later, Yuri Empens, the CEO of Bingo, he asked me, could you help me out? I need some help in bookmaking wise, I don't have too much uh, knowledge about that, and it would be great if you could help me out. I told you the story about my father, who was helped by his father, uh, let's say, 30 years ago, so that's where it all started because of his father. I'm, I am where I am now, so uh, I couldn't resist, and I, I immediately said yes. Uh, and we went on uh, since 2013. It is now, and uh, we have a great partnership. It's going very well. Um, yeah. So, uh, and Bingo at the moment is 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 they ha the 
inheritance is let's say from coming from from horses so uh, it's we started both over there so that's what we have in common and that went to sports betting um, we are active at the moment in belgium and the netherlands um, in belgium we have an offline and an online business so we have shops i think we have around 40 shops we have around two three hundred um, agencies um, where we have a kiosk or something um, uh, where, where, where our product is sold um, we are growing still every day and since october last year we have our license in belgium well in, in the netherlands sorry we have our license in the netherlands but as only belgian bookmaker we were the first one who got our uh, dutch license and so we were one of the uh, 11. it was quite an achievement for us at that moment that was quite a let's say a milestone for, for bingo okay would you you take bets on uk racing german races is it or is it specifically belgium we are specifically belgium and france france is our that's where let's say all the belgians are betting on especially the trotting uh, uk racing is a bit smaller and the shops are still living uh, but let's say french the french product is product number one and are triomphe prix d'amérique uh, prix de Diane, all these that are the main races uh, where everyone in belgium let's say is, is interested in okay now my background is racehorse bookmaking so i'm very interested in how it all works so could i just run through some basic questions yes, about sure. how it works and see how it differs and we're going to find out later as well but um so when you're on course who is the first person to price a race <coughs> excuse me good question um there's no one that is appointed to that what happens is um if a race has finished we wait till we have the official result we pay out and as soon as we pay out someone will open and that depends really from race to race um it will be me it could be my neighbor, it could be the first one. However, in Gallop, we have one, let's say, specialist who, who knows the most of, about galloping. And we all tend to look at him to open. Uh, but in trotting, we have a few others who, who also do that. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit how you feel the race. Uh, but we, we start to open as soon as possible. Um, and there's no, there's no, let's say, agreement. You open first or you open first. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's done uh, randomly. Okay, so did you spend hours last night looking at the form and working at your prices? Have you got them all in your head? I did not spend hours and hours, but at, at least I know the dangerous races today. I know where I have to pay attention. I know, yeah, especially that. Um, I'm doing the paperwork, but not in too many detail because I, I have, okay, that's my approach at least. Everyone has those different, but I prefer to feel what's going on on the pitch itself than getting stuck in one idea. I don't want to be too narrow-minded. Um, if I think a horse needs to be 6 to 1 and it's only 3 to 1 and they back it at 3 to 1, I will not be hard-headed and say, OK, this is a massive lay, I go for it. Of course, I will maybe take a bit more on than normal, but um, my experience learned that I'm listening to the money that comes in money is telling the truth and I, try, I tend to follow that um, also I'm, I'm like in galloping I'm not a specialist okay, I can read the kilos and all these things and, and, and the, 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 the valeur that we say in, in French that they put on it but um, let's say that my public that is in front of me is teaching me or telling me what I should put on my board 
Okay, now you say that there's only eight pitches here now. I assume that one is still better than eight or eight better than one, whichever way it is. Do you all have to pay the same amount of money to bet? Yeah. Since it's interesting you say that, we are all near each other. And in a way how it works is the one who arrives last gets the last place. So in a way, at least 30 and 40 years ago, the one who's most on the left, eh, he's the oldest and he started so many years ago. And that should be the best pitch. And then it goes on and so on. So the one who's in the last position should theoretically have the worst pitch. However, I'm the youngest now. I'm on the last position uh, already for my whole life. And I don't have the worst pitch at all because you what is the first and the last pitch is a bit the same. Having said that, the difference, in, because we're all close to each other, there's not such a huge uh, difference. I mean, my father, for example, he's in the middle what could be yeah, considered as a bad place but every week he has the biggest turnover so what is a good and a bad pitch the thing is we pay a percentage on our turnover and that's what we pay so the more turnover you do the more you pay and the less turnover you do the less you pay so that's a bit how it works there's also a small fixed fee we pay but turnover yeah dictates what we have to pay okay so that's turnover and not profit so I assume that you guys have to bet to a fairly healthy margin. Yeah. Do, you, do you sort of have an unwritten agreement about not somebody not making, you know, betting to no profit? No. Actually, no. We don't have any agreement at all. The, the one who opens it, will, yeah, he will know, okay, this will be, let's say, 170, 180. And that's how it happened today. We start very weak, let's say. Yeah. And it gets much uh, sharper very fast. So no, there is no, there is no agreement at all. Um, what makes that certain in certain circumstances, I'm staying out, or just not. I'm very aggressive, because if it if, if the percentage is going for me, I'm say okay, this is the moment now. I, I have to be aggressive, and now and again, I just say okay, this is this is totally not attractive. The issue we have a little bit is that it's an attractive percentage for us, but. They, most of the races, they bet two, three, four horses. If there are ten runners, it's they, they ha only bet three, four, five. And with these three, four, five, you, you don't get out of the 100. Of course, if, if some of the other ones wins, that's of course a great race. But but this is not happening enough at the moment. So um, that's one. S second, we don't have a reference. Eh? We just have to open ourselves, uh, just on gut feeling. We always go sharper and then it, it goes back again. And now and again, if they start to bet a horse with, 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 with the bigger amounts, let's say, and you have the wrong odds, I mean, you have the highest, you took on the highest odds, then it becomes a very difficult race and it becomes very difficult to get out of that. Uh, and some people, some bookmakers, they start to force all the others to get out of that. What is even worse, because then you're even worse in another. So it's a bit, it all depends race by race. Um, very different, you will see. And is, it, is everything cash or do you take uh, cards now as well? Everything is still cash, of course. We have, we have now uh, tools where people can okay, pay with a mobile or they go uh, to, to, let's say, there's an ATM here where people can withdraw some cash. But everything is still paid in cash, paid out in cash. Um, what, is, what is not great for the business because cash is, go, is getting out of, of everyone's pocket. But uh, yeah, it's a cash business. And that makes it, that's, that's fun because you still feel it.
Okay, and what, what would you consider to be a big bet here today? Or, uh, you know, a general meeting, a uh, yeah. normal meeting, what would be? It, it's, it depends on race by race. What is it like, for example, if in, in, in a race with three years old or two years old, then a big bet is three, four hundred euros. And then you say, okay, this is, it is that, if it's a three to one, that's, a big, that's considered as a big bet. If it's in a big race, let's say, with, with horses that we all know, three, four hundred, is also a big bet, but it's, it's, it's a common, it happens now and again. Let's say the, the most of the most bets, or the minimum, the minimum is five euro, that's the minimum, but between five and one hundred euro, that are the mo most of the bets. And then you take some hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundreds, but that will also be on favorites, for example. We, we hardly take, uh, let's say, 500 at, at 12 to 1. That's something that, that doesn't, that's rare. That's, that's rare. Okay, I was going to, um, so how do, you, how do you call and recall the bets? Is it done on a computer? Do you still write them in a book? Yeah, it's, uh, it's still the old-fashioned way. It's all, uh, I have to do it all. What I mean is I have to, I have to take the money. I have to pronounce the bet. I have to give cash back. I have to give the ticket. And I have, I have to toll. I have an accountant with me who's writing down everything in a book. Uh, so that's still the way like it worked, let's say, in uh, 1960 or so. Yeah. So uh, nothing has changed there. Um, what is also nice in a way, because it's, it's still the old, let's say, the olden days, and you, you, you fly back in time almost. Uh, so that's all the, the, the old-fashioned way. Uh, yeah. Okay, so when a, when a punter has a bet with you, if it's five to one, do they get five to one? And that's there regardless of what happens afterwards. Exactly. So they bet out fixed thoughts. Uh, they get what they uh, they get what what is on the pitch, it, 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 on the board. What happens now and again uh, that that some punters, for example, I have two to one, but my neighbour has two and a half. Yeah, it's okay. I, I because I have it, but they come to me. They say, listen, I'm coming every race to you. Neighbour has two and a half. Do we give fifty euro or whatever? Of course, that, that, that are the best punters. They come to you, they come specific for you, and they say, okay, give me what's, what's uh, next door. Okay, now I know that this is difficult because it depends on the type of a race, but how much money would it take for your horse to sh on your board to change from five to one, say, into two to one? Yeah. As you say, it depends very much on the race. If it's a two-year-old race, not much. I mean, 300 euro could do it. If it's only for me, eh? if it's uh, if it's a big race, yeah, it, it, you, you you drop one point, two points, and then that's about it. So from five to one to two to one, I mean that means I I have to take five hundred to thousand euro on it if it if it yeah. And on, on stake, yeah. Does it depend a lot on who has had the bet? Yeah, for sure, for sure. On the other hand, it's it's the, the people that do bet the bigger amounts. We all know them. It's uh, it's not uh, it's almost always the same people. So and we know where they get their information from and where they uh, yeah, they know they know the some some trainers and some owners and some jockeys and, and then of course if, if these are coming on a certain horse yeah you have to, you know you have to pay attention. So yes you you will change yours according to who's betting. Okay now I'm not sure I'm going to be able to replicate it, even if you can do it. But is the do you use racing slang? So do you have it like in England, for example, two to one's a bottle, three to one's a carpet. Do you have that sort of equivalent? No, not really. The, the, we have a few things. The, the, the thing is on the yachts itself, it's all in, in French, like uh, in, in evens. We say égalité. That means the same. Uh, four to six, we say uh, six cats. So all the let's say all the odds. All the odds are in French pronounced. 
but yeah, you have the, you have uh, the top one, the bottom one, but it's it's not uh, yeah, it's not that we have so much uh, things that we use uh, no, that's it. and and if we have some slang, it's all French, it's all French. Okay, now is there a starting price returned from the racecourse in the results? Did they take the prices from you guys? No, there isn't. That doesn't exist. Starting price is, is something that no one knows here in Belgium. So uh, no, we have uh, we don't have that. That's uh, never existed. Um, no. So the, is it the, do you get a tote return? Yeah, you have yeah, a tote. Yeah, so yeah. you do know if something was a 33 to 1 or a 2 to 1. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah so yeah. is it like a form book? Can you get form? Yeah, 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 yeah. You have, yeah, you have form. You, you, you have, let's say, papers that are that are printed out, and you can see. Listen, that's that's all the, the last results. Uh, that's possible, yeah. But we don't have official prices. Uh, okay, where we said starting price was this or that. What happens today, for example, today you have three ways to bet. Eh? You can bet with the bookmakers, traditional bookmakers. You can bet with the local tote. We have a local tote here. What is quite, what is okay because it it has some money on it because there are quite some people here. And today we are also betting with the French PMU. So there are three different, let's say, pools or three different ways of betting. So smart punters of no, of course they know where to go. Eh? Or the bookmakers has the biggest dots, or the French totes, or the Belgian totes. So um, there is some, there are some references uh, in that. The, the disadvantages of the, of the tote is, however, it's very big in France that it's only formed in the last, let's say, two three minutes. And, and, and it all happens there. So uh, if you bet in the morning, you have no clue what you're going to get in the evening. So um, as I said, everyone is betting in the last 30 seconds, and there it happens. And your, your price is bigger or shorter than the tote? Oof, that will be 50-50. I think for the favorites, we're going to be bigger. For the outsiders, I think the tote will be bigger. Okay, I'm still interested in, so I've got, still got more questions about how this compares with the uh, racehorse bookmakers in the UK. Do you take telephone bets? If a punter's at home, can he ring you and say, I want 100 euros? Yeah. No, we can't, we can't do that. The, the main reason we can't do this is because we cannot give any credit. So uh, it's in the law, it's in the law that we cannot give any credit, so we can't, we can't take uh, telephone bets. So uh, that's the reason. Okay, there's no, there's no credit on course then. No, there's Nobody no can say, I've run out of money, I'll pay you next week. No, it's uh, officially that's not allowed. Uh, and okay, we have, we, they are checking that and uh, yeah, we can do that. Okay, and they do bookmakers, if you took, if for example, somebody came to you and you already had a horse losing you plenty, somebody had 500 euros on, would you have a bet next door with your mate? Yeah, yeah, we do, we do now and again. But the, the advantage is I have a father here who's also standing on the pitch. So for me, it's natural to go first to him and say, listen, I took this, do you, do you, want, do you want a bit? And that, uh, that happens both ways. So yeah, that, that's, that's something we do. Uh, it, it is rare, it's rare, but it does happen. Uh, it's like you say, you, you're already full and someone said, give me another 200, 300, then yeah, I go to my father and say, listen, take the rest. Okay, I think you probably answered the question earlier when you said that you've got no reference when you price up. So I'm assuming that this today won't be covered by the bet, bet fair or betting exchanges. No. There is no uh, betfair at all. There's no betting exchange. What makes it? Yeah, it, it, it has pros and cons. Eh? It, it, of course, the, the advantage is that okay, ev for everyone, it's new. No one knows the punter and the bookmaker. Let's say he doesn't know anything. While there's no reference, um, the tote is a bit of a reference, but it's not. The tote is not big enough to make it a reference. 
So uh, no, it, it's really built on track, uh, and it's, yeah, the prices yeah, come alive here. Okay, now is there a big bookmaker on course that everybody knows to go yeah. to, yeah. to for their big bets if yeah. they wanted a bigger bet than normal? Yeah. I think my father is the is the one who takes the biggest bets. Uh, the the my fa we are eight, and I think my father and myself we take almost fifty percent of of the whole pot uh, of turnover at least. Um, he has his let's say his customers that come every week and they go straight to him. To be honest, I'm happy they go to him because I'm, I'm yeah. If you, if you, it's not, I don't mind to take a big bet, but if it's only once a day, you don't yeah. There's no interest for you. That's not how it works for me so yeah he he's he's the one who's taking all the big bets and they all know and yeah that's 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 somewhere it's almost accepted by by everyone that is like that okay so do you come racing today expecting to go home with more money than you came with <laughs> at least that's what i hope and that's also what my wife hopes all the time because she's doing my book and whenever we lose we lose in a race she's she's oh even if it's only 10 euros she she, she thinks oh, what are you doing here and why are you doing this so now, of course, I hope to, to, to win uh, the things. I will probably win, at least I'm favorite to win. The, if, if I just take the, the, let's say, the gross margin, but of course you have all these other costs to pay, uh, but on, pure on betting, on betting, yeah, I probably, I, I think I'm 70% I'm favorite to win, 30% to lose. I think that's something how, how it is. So would that, be, would that be too intrusive? What would be a good day? It's very hard. It's very hard to say. For me, the, the, the a good day when I come home is not how how much did I win or lose. The, the for me is did I take all the bets I took? Should I, would I take them again? And that's literally for me good or a bad day. Uh, that's because I know in the long run if I, if if I always every bet is a bet I would retake. To be honest, I don't mind what the result is, and I and I'm I'm happy. Or Let's say I'm satisfied or not satisfied when the race starts and not when it finishes. So to be honest, I don't mind too much the result of the race, but I do mind my book when the race starts. Okay, you, you mentioned before that uh, most bookmakers in Belgium tend to have a family connection. Would your family be the oldest connection or are there bookmakers in there that have been here for 100 years? Or Yeah, no, everyone has almost a connection. So uh, there was one where his... Uh, uh, father-in-law was was one of the big bookmakers uh, years ago yeah everyone has has almost a connection so I don't think if I would go through all of them I think six of the eight has a family connection where the father father-in-law brother and so on were standing on the pitch and and, and yeah, doing the same now so I hope I have a son of 11 years old I feel he has some interest in it he likes it, so uh, yeah, I hope he can, uh, if it still exists, that he can still follow in my, s in, in my footsteps, let's say. Okay, now you, um, you spent a bit of time in the UK. Did you go horse, did you go racing? I've been a few times. I've been, I think, yeah, a couple of times. I went a couple of times to, to, to dog racing or to greyhounds also. Um, I have not been to big, big meetings except once to Sheltenham. Um, the difference, I think one of the main differences is, is the betting behavior of, of, of planters. I mean, we were sitting on a table with, I think, 12 people. And we could not bet with the bookmaker because there was no one. And he said, okay, uh, is someone giving bets? And I said, okay, I'm going to give some odds. And I think every single one on the table had a fiver on, on a certain horse. Even 
Yeah, yeah, all of them. If I would do the same in Belgium, I sit with 12 on a table, and I said, I w I'm going to price this, they will look at me and say, what are you saying? So that's the biggest difference. Everyone in the UK wants to have a bet. Now here, it's still, now and again, still considered, that, whoa, yeah, what, are you, what are you doing? You're betting five euro. Why would you do that? So it's that, that's the main difference. That uh, it's, it's, it's more accepted in the UK than here still. Okay. Um, the firms that you've worked for and do work for, of course, <coughs> do you restrict punters if they win? Yeah, because we are in a European business, let's say. Yeah, we do restrict punters. However, we are with, with, with Bingo, we are one of the only companies, at least in Belgium, who has still their own bookmaking people. So we are still four or five people who, who make their own odds. Who, uh, who are not buying it from all these companies like uh, that there are now. Uh, and we, we try to give still a decent bet. I mean, no, you will not be able to bet 510 if, if you are a winning punter, but we're going to give you 50 or 100 euro. Uh, we, we're going to try to give everyone a decent, fair bet. Um, and let's say the except if you're a cheater or something like that, or if you only have really done bad business betting after the result and these things. But if, you, if you're a normal punter, we're going to give you, at least try to give you a fair bet um, till a certain level. Yeah. And would you have um, professional punters that come racing? Um, yes and no. What I mean, it, I don't profession, I'm sure you have a few punters who win after a whole season, who, know, who knows what the price should be, who feel it, what the price should be. Of course, they cannot do it for a living, but they, uh, there are punters who, who, who can win money from, from here, um, but not, not enough to, to, to make a living of it. Okay, would you, so if, if somebody on course, you knew they were the trainer's son or something, would you refuse a bet from them if you knew that that was probably yeah. a bet on a horse that was gonna shorten up? Would you, yeah. would you turn somebody down at all? Yeah. This season, for example, I have never refused a bet yet. Uh, and it's, it's very rare I refuse a bet. Yes, it, people tend to watch now and again, it's three to one, can you give me four to one? Yes, that I will refuse. But uh, if, it's on my, if it's on my board, I have, I, I'm not refusing a bet. Uh, we have a rule here that, that I, don't, I don't know, I'm not sure how it works in the UK, but we have to take the first bet that comes. So if, for example, if three people coming at the same time, of course, who's first then, but the first bet that is offered, you have to take that and then you can, you, then you can say, okay, now I'm gonna lower. And then you have to take the others, of course. But uh, no, it's, it's, we, don't, we, we hardly refuse bets. Okay, and would there be many active professional punters sort of betting online in Belgium? Yeah, you have the young, the young people, young publics. You have some, uh, some groups and some uh, fora and some Instagram groups who, who build up and and who start have an appetite for that. Um, of course, there is a, uh, the big bonus thing where where they also put in that they have uh, like today in Belgium you have all these booster dots and. They also put them in there, so it's a bit, it's, it's almost impossible to lose them. But at least, no, they start to, they start to be some, some, some groups who, um, yeah, who, who were young people, let's say people who, who feel, okay, this is how it can work and how we can win from, from bookmakers. Yeah, they do exist, yeah. Okay, now how is gambling seen by the wider public? Because in the UK, there appears to be a big movement against gambling by people that don't gamble. How is it over here? 
It's exactly the same. It's um, gambling is is, uh, is is perceived very bad. Let's say. I mean, however, the 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 restrictions and the legislation is quite tough on it. I mean, there's so many restrictions people have. I mean. I'm not sure how it is in the UK, but if someone put himself or a family member on a blacklist, let's say, they cannot enter any casino, they cannot enter on any site. So anyone who could have, uh, who has a potential problem, there's so many tools that could help them. And good it is like that. Eh? So, uh, but it, it's, it's, it's going a bit too much on the other side. It's, um, they are, um, no, it's, it's a pity because it's not, it's not liberal at all anymore. I mean, it's, it's, it's like someone says, listen, you can only buy one pair of shoes every three months. Um, I mean, if, if I like shoes, why can I not buy five or ten, ten pairs? Uh, and that's a bit where it goes too wrong. Of course, if I would have an addiction and I, I buy every two days a pair of shoes and it's costing me fortune and my family is going down because of that, yes, that they restricted, of course. But uh, it's going too much uh, the wrong side, let's say. Okay, and what are the, just the last two questions now? What about horse racing itself? Is there a resistance to the actual sport of horse racing and the trotting? That's that's no, that's okay. I think we, we the people still think horse racing is something that 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 is neat. That is a lot of there's a lot of professions of, of people who, who are professional occupied with that. So it's it's, it's still seen as, as some business. So in general, no. Of, of course, you have some animal care who who also get gets involved, but that's most of the times a positive evolution. I mean. Uh, if it's too hot and it's really, really too hot, yeah, then maybe we sh should make sure that there is drinks or they, they, they run a bit later. That are all normal things. But in, in general, it's perceived quite okay. Um, and as I said, we have quite some professionals uh, um, yeah, that are doing a good job and who, 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 do, who are doing a good business. Okay, walking down from uh, our hotel is about a, a mile up the road. Yeah. There's more and more and more buildings going up yeah. and they're getting closer and closer. We did, we did notice that the one nearest, <coughs> excuse me, it's called Royal Ascot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is the future of a course like this, yeah. which I imagine would be worth a lot of money if you're going to put one of those blocks of flats yeah. on it? Yeah. Uh, there is a lot of uh, restrictions, so they cannot do anything on this one, on this ground, so that, that's good. So. Uh, I think the future for, for, for Wellington here in Ostende is big. Um, it's already 10 years in a row that we have every race day between, let's say, two, three thousand and six, seven, eight thousand people over here. Um, everyone has, who's coming here had a great experience. Um, what, has, what is not existing anymore is okay, we do eight races and nothing more, that's, that, that, that doesn't work anymore. You have to, I mean, you have artists singing here. Uh, you need something for the kids. There's a barbecue. We need all, you need all this kind of stuff for people to come and then they have a good day. And race, racing is a part of that. So we feel that, that there is an appetite for it. Uh, people are still betting. So uh, we, we, we really believe in this and we really think that uh, this will only grow. And, and I, I really think that. Uh, um, we, we, we're gonna probably have a bit less tracks in Belgium, or maybe that's maybe a bit too many tracks. Um, but but uh, the ones that are surviving can have a, a good season, I think. Okay, well we're looking forward to seeing what it's like this afternoon. Yeah. And uh, Kelvin's making a film on that too, so uh, yeah. look forward to it. Well, Dieter van der Berg, thank you very much. No, thank you.